Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is a special message from Joseph Ferno, our student ministries pastor on Psalm 103. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Joseph. Hey, it is so, so great to be here with you guys this morning. It is such a privilege to get to share God's word with you on Pineapple Sunday. Uh, Man, I just am so filled with joy, like already just worshiping with our students, worshiping with all of you, and and getting to praise God um, and just kind of bask in the greatness of what he's done. And I look forward to getting to continue that. There is a lot still to come. Uh, So today's message is going to be really brief. We just want to share just some quick things from God's word as we continue continue with this idea of worship. So I actually want to start by talking about goats, um, and uh, not actually this kind of goat, but for, uh, you know, not wanting to get a lawsuit about using someone's name, image, and likeness, that sort of thing. Uh, I threw goats up here not to represent the animal, but goats as in the greatest of all time, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. Uh, and I want to talk about that idea of greatness because it's something that I see just like in conversations within our culture all the time. One of the most heated debates about the greatest of all time is in basketball. People are always arguing about whether or not LeBron James is the greatest of all time or if it's Michael Jordan. Uh, some people even throw out, you know, Kobe and some of my kids think it's Steph Curry, which just doesn't make any sense. Um, but but there's, a, there's a debate about that, right? Um, you know, I personally, I think as much as I despise the university from which he came in the NFL, Tom Brady is the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time. He's just got so many rings. Although Patrick Mahomes, he's got a lot of talent and he's got a couple rings. And so maybe, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be having a great debate about those two. Um, and then even, it was funny, on Friday, I was actually watching a video and it was two guys arguing over whether or not Babe Ruth was the greatest baseball player of all time. It just came up on my timeline and the one guy's like, no, like he can't possibly be the greatest of all time. You know, they didn't even have a slider back then. They were just throwing meatballs. Like how can you compare him to the baseball players of today? And so this, this conversation about greatness is always happening. And I think that's because as human beings, like we love greatness. We recognize greatness and we like to celebrate greatness. I think that's a big part of the reason why we love sports so much, even as as spectators who aren't actually engaged in the competition, because we love seeing people who are great at something use their talents. I mean, I think that's true for music and, and just even things like America's Got Talent. I think we like that show because we like to see greatness. We recognize it and we celebrate it. And so today I want to read from Psalms chapter 103. And this this is a psalm where we see David poetically recognize the greatness of our God, who of course is the undisputed greatest of all time in any category that you want to imagine. So uh, it's a long passage, but it's beautiful. So we're going to read it together. It's Psalms 103. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can pull one out from the seat backs in front of you, or you can follow along here on my screen. But um, just really as, as I read this long passage, meditate on the words and recognize how it's calling out God greatness. So, Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? 
who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. For as man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone. And its place is no more. But the steadfast love from the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. He, the Lord, has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I think this psalm is so beautiful and it's so rich. And as I prepared uh, for this message this week, I was thinking back to my homiletics professor, the professor in college who taught me to preach. Uh, and his name was Gary Spikerman, who's a fantastic professor. And one of the things he taught us originally, uh, using a penny, was to get a bird's eye view of a passage of scripture first, and then get up close to it, and then put it under a microscope. And so as I was preparing, I thought back to my classes with Professor Spikerman. I said, okay, the first thing I need to do as I prepare to share Psalms 103 is to get a bird's eye view of this passage. And when I did that, right away, I realized something that I think is really significant and really cool. We see that David is pointing us to the truth that God deserves all worship. That he deserves worship, all the worship that we have, and all worship from everything and everyone. And when you zoom back, you see three specific areas, three specific groups giving him worship. First, you see individual worship. If you look at verses 1 through 5, you'll see that David is individually praising God. And you look at the language. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he's speaking to himself and he says, who forgives your sins? Who heals your diseases? And he's focused specifically on his heart, individually praising God. And then when you go further, verses uh, 6 through 18, you see communal worship. All of a sudden there's a switch and, and David calls back to the nation of Israel. And he says, remember Moses, remember how God showed himself to Moses. And remember his acts. He's calling them to remember, you know, the things that he did for the nation of Israel, like freeing them from Egypt, bringing them out of oppression. 
parting the Red Sea so that they could walk on dry land and, and escape the chariots. Right? Then leading them through the desert by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. Manna from heaven, his provision to them. And, and all of the praise given to God in this section has plural language. You know, you'll see us, we. And there's this central theme of forgiveness, but it's corporate forgiveness for the nation of Israel, who are a people that despite their position as God's chosen people, constantly walked away from him. And so all of the worship here is the nation of Israel recognizing God's goodness together as a community. And then finally, in verse 19, we see a switch to heavenly worship. All of a sudden, David is talking about, about the heavens, about the angels, the heavenly host praising God, and, and even everything that's under his dominion. And so he's saying the angels join our praise, the angels worship God, the heavenly hosts worship God, and everything that he has created worships God. And so we see God deserves all worship our individual praise, our own hearts lifted up to God. Communally, all of our worship as we together lift our voices and our lives to him. And heaven and, and everything that's he, that he has created worships God. Everything in existence exists to worship him, and he deserves all of that worship. Now we've got, got to get a little bit closer and start to look for some details. And it didn't take long as I tried to dig into this passage to notice something that I thought was a little bit odd. Um, and I don't know if, if you noticed this, maybe not. You know, I think part of it's because there's a hymn, Bless the Lord, that's based off of this scripture passage. And so, Bless the Lord, maybe at first, doesn't seem like an odd way to phrase something. But, like, I stopped and think about that, like, okay, like, I'm going to praise God, and I say, like, you know, how do I worship him? I say, like, oh, God, like, you're so good, or I love you, or you're so, ho you're so holy. But David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He, he's speaking more to himself than he is to God. And what we realize here is that David's proclamation, bless the Lord, O my soul, is also a reminder to his own heart. It's not just about proclaiming God's goodness, but it's also about reminding himself, calling his own heart to bless the Lord. And this becomes even clearer, like what we find is actually, um, is that the opposite of praise is forgetfulness. The opposite of praise is forgetfulness. Look at verse 2. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let me not forget all his benefits. What is paralleled with praise is forgetfulness. The opposite of us praising God is forgetting who he is. And so we learn that worship reminds us. Worship reminds us. And, and as I wrestled with this idea and dug into the rest of the passage, I saw three ways that worship reminds us. First, worship reminds us of God's character. If you, if you look through the passage, if you have your Bibles open, I encourage you, go through, look. Look for all the characteristics of God that are listed. I noticed this and I began highlighting all of them. And all of a sudden, you see how many there are. You know, it speaks of God's holiness. It speaks of God's righteousness, his compassion, his forgiveness, that he's just, that he's merciful, that he's loving. It's just a, a long list of all of God's good characteristics of who he is. 
David's worship to God reminds him of who God is. It reminds him of his character. Next, we see that David's worship, that our worship, reminds us of God's position. Reminds us of God's position. Look what it says. Verse 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And you know, before this, it talks about us. It talks about our position. The, the poem of Psalms 103 reminds us that we are, are just dust. And that we're here for such a short time. Like a flower that's here today and then the next day is wilted and gone. And it contrasts that with God's everlasting love. Contrast that with his kingship. His lordship over us and over all creation. And it reminds us that when we worship, we are worshiping the God of the universe. We are worshiping our king. So it reminds us of his position. And finally, it reminds us of God's miracles. David uh, calls back again to the acts of God for the nation of Israel, how he brought them out of slavery, the ways that he's provided for them, taking them into the promised land. He says, remember the acts of our God. But then he focuses really deeply on the miracle of mercy. I mean, I, I love this section of this passage because if you were just to read it and you didn't understand the, the history of the Bible, you would probably assume that David knew about the cross. You'd assume that David knew about Jesus, that, that Jesus and the cross and his resurrection had all happened in David's past. But it was years in the future. But yet look what David writes. He says, he does not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Yet he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. The miracle that, that David focuses on the most, that Psalms 103 centralizes on, is the mercy of God. And I, I know many of y'all well, and I know many of y'all well enough at least to know some of the ways that God has shown up in your life personally, to tell you that I know that God does show up personally. But even if you're here today and you're striving to worship God and you're striving to remember what he's done for you, and you can't think of the things that he's done, at the very least he's done this, and this is more than enough reason to worship our God. I mean, God gave everything for us. And he, he created you. He, he gave us each breath. And, and he's sustaining our life at this very moment. And yet, all of us have committed treason. All of us are guilty. Every single one of us, because of pride, looks at God and has rejected his position as king, rejected his position as Lord. And, and I truly believe that no matter where you're at today, no matter what your worldview, that if you truly and honestly examine your heart, you know that there's deep-rooted brokenness and evil, and that, that no one is good, just as the Bible says. And yet, 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. No, instead he sent Jesus. Jesus took our sins upon himself. He took the righteous punishment that our evil justly deserves. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And he died what should have been our death. And as affirmation for his innocence, he rose from the grave, defeating death, saving us from the pit. All who fear the Lord and repent, turn to him and receive forgiveness. We're given the righteousness of Jesus Christ and a promise of eternity in the presence of a God who loves us and who will dwell with us and be our God and we will be his people. Is that not worthy of worship? Will we not worship him? His mercy is miraculous and worship reminds us of that miracle. Yet all too often we forget or we just take it for granted. You know, sometimes the miraculous in our lives becomes so commonplace that, that we're no longer impressed by it. We're no longer awestruck by the goodness of God. Or sometimes it's just that our problems creep in, that we get so stuck in our struggle, so distracted by, by the brokenness around us, that that consumes our thoughts, and we forget. You know, I've been uh, here for quite a while, and Pastor Mike has been the senior pastor here uh, longer than I've been here, so I've sat under like nine years of, of his sermons. And he's an excellent preacher, and we're very privileged to have him. And as, as I've listened to many of his sermons, uh, it's become clear that Mike has a few things that he says fairly often. He's got some Mike-isms, right? And so a couple of those uh, are fun. You know, one of them that I hear him say all the time is, what a wonderful truth. Anyone here heard him said that? You're going to hear it now, trust me. Um, he says it all the time. You know, after a, a great worship song or, or reading a scripture, he always calls us to recognize the beauty of the truth of God's word. So he says, what a wonderful truth all the time. It also says things like, have a great Lord's Day. Y'all know that one, right? Come on now. Yeah? Okay. Hands up, please. We're participating today. All right, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, no, my day is totally thrown off if he doesn't say this at the end of his sermon. Like, if he doesn't come up here and say, God bless you, have a great Lord's Day, my whole day is off for the rest of the Sunday. So uh, hopefully he continues to say that one. Um, another one that we hear him say all the time, and I think he mentioned just two weeks ago, you can either be overwhelmed by your problems or overwhelmed by God. You can't be overwhelmed by both. When you forget the greatness of our God, you will become overwhelmed by the world. And your greatest weapon against forgetting the greatness of God is worship. And so today, I'm going to get off the stage, I'm going to stop talking, and we're going to continue to worship God. We're going to allow our souls, call ourselves to bless his holy name. And as we worship, look, look for the ways that it calls us to remember his character. 
Look for the ways it calls us to remember his position. As you listen to the testimonies, as as you see students getting baptized and, and see the way that God has transformed their lives, and they've experienced the miracle of his mercy, stand in wonder. Let's continue to worship God together today and continue to praise his name. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.